Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. And so he said, God is good. And I said, all the time. And he said, all the time. And I said, God is good. And he went, no. And I said, beg your pardon? I was very confused as to what he was saying. And he said, no, God is good all the time and all the time because it is his character. And that's what they say actually in Zambia. And I know it doesn't seem like a big difference, but honestly, it kind of struck me. First of all, because it was awkward and I felt like I got something wrong on a test. (laughs) Like he tested me and I failed. But as I thought about it, it was that they hold on, especially in Zambia, when you don't know when the next meal is coming, you know, they are losing family members due to all kinds of things. Um, And so when they say God is good all the time and all the time, they have to bank on because it's his character, because he's faithful, because he's never let them down, right? Like King David said, I have been young and I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Um, And so God is good all the time and all the time because it's his character um so i just want to say hello it's an honor to be here i'm so thankful and i wish i could thank bj in person but i heard he is sick and so lord heal bj right now um just wanted to say thank you to to david for introducing me and and mary and um for patrick and padrina and everybody that i'm connected to that are so encouraging to me um thank you so much to emmanuel you guys have been so encouraging and so loving and i'm just so thankful to be able to be here today um i do want to share a little bit about and i'm going to set a timer because i am long-winded so don't want to take your whole sunday morning (laughs) Um, I don't know how BJ is, but I mean, I might take your whole Monday or your whole Sunday if I'm not careful. Um, so basically, I do want to tell you a little bit about what I do, what Chi Alpha is, but I also don't want to be boring and I don't want to just tell you things. And so as much as possible, I'd like this to be encouraging. You know, I'd like this to be edifying, still be rooted in scripture. And, and hopefully everybody can leave here today at least gleaming something of encouragement um, from the Holy Spirit this morning. And so uh, I'll do my best to not bore you. And so I'm going to start off with a story. Uh, So one day uh, in the fall semester of 2019, this was before the tyranny of COVID was plaguing our lands, uh, if we remember those days. exhausted physically. I was, I was, uh, walking around in welcome week and I probably moved at this point. I've probably moved about a hundred different students, entire houses into their dorms, right? Boxes after boxes. And it's funny, you can tell which ones are girls and guys based on the girls have like four times more things and usually like 10 mirrors. Um, And so I was feeling emotionally, spiritually exhausted as well. Um, As a campus missionary and as someone that has been making disciples for a while, you make connection after connection. But oftentimes, as I'm sure you guys are aware, that they often don't come to anything, you know. And so I got tons of numbers, probably over 50 phone numbers in a week and made so many connections. But only a few people are really responding, giving me time of day. And so physically, I'm exhausted, right? But I'm also emotionally, spiritually getting exhausted. Um, And so one day we gathered together to play volleyball with some new students. And this is where I met a guy named Blake. He was shy and awkward and I loved him. Uh, I loved that about him. Uh, And over time, Blake actually proved to be different than the other guys I'd met. He let me be his friend. He was available. He was honest. uh, And he was also willing to come to terms with his own brokenness and a need for a savior. 
pretty rare these days sometimes. I was so excited for the potential of a committed disciple, so expectant for life change and heart change in Blake and all the works. But as I met with Blake over time, I started to get discouraged um, because he seemed a bit stagnant. You know, when I challenged him with things, when I asked him, how's your time uh, spending in the word and in prayer and just seeking the Lord, I began to wonder if he only appeared hungry at first because he was really just lonely and wanted a friend, you know? It can be pretty hard to tell from a distance. And so... In that moment, I felt what I imagined was quite similar to what Jesus felt as he looked at a few of his stubborn, uneducated men who he was hoping would carry the message of salvation to the rest of the world, which is something along the lines of, man, this is going to take a while. This is going to be a process. So my name is Jared Grace. Um, It's an honor to meet you, and I will finish that story later on, but I think the best stories have a little bit of a cliffhanger, so I'm going to leave that one uh, for later. Um, I am a missionary at the University of Tennessee, as I was so uh, pleasantly introduced to you guys as a church to support me, and I'm so thankful for that. You guys are actively sending me to do that. I'm trained and equipped through Chi Alpha Campus Missionary uh, Ministries. I'm a missionary. Um, and if you guys haven't had the pleasure of meeting Brooke and Tyler, they are our directors, and Tyler is actually the one that discipled me when I was a freshman. Um, and so... What is Kafa exactly? What do we value? Um, and what is it exactly that I do? And so the first thing I want to say is that we really value and want to protect the investment of the local church and of families, right? So unfortunately, the statistic is that over 80% of college students that claim a Christian faith but worship is a heart posture, and and even Paul says that we can do worship in all things, whether we eat or whether we drink, you know. And uh, something I like to think about is like, man, if, if I really think about the Lord and I'm honoring him in my heart, I can worship God brushing my teeth. I can worship God making eggs, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't just have to be ministry stuff. It doesn't have to be the stuff that feels super, um, you know, sacred, maybe is a good word. And praise God for that, because most of our lives don't feel super sacred, super special, you know? Most of life is mundane, and Jesus knew that. And so uh, the second one that we value is family. Uh, Many people don't realize that God actually said there is something that is not good, even before sin was in the world, right? And does anyone know what that was? Right. God said in Genesis 2, it is not good that man should be alone. Uh, God designed us to do life together. This is all the more critical for followers of Jesus. I mean, we see this in passages like Hebrews 10, which says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. I wonder who he was calling out when he said that, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And if anyone modeled family, Uh, in the family of God for us, it was God in the flesh, right? It was Jesus Christ who said, who are my mother and my brothers? For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. And so we in Kyle fight for that kind of relationship, right? It's more than just friends. It's more than just um, co-inhabitants of a worship gathering once a week, but we actually seek to do life as brothers and sisters. 
Um, even beyond work, weekly worship gatherings, prayer meetings, and weekend hangouts and stuff, um, the crux of our unity in our family is something called discipleship groups. We very much are a ministry that is rooted in discipleship. We see that throughout the Gospels, that the discipleship of Jesus towards his 12 was incredibly vital for his ministry. Um, Jesus gave us the model for discipleship. However, if we can be honest... If we look at the modern church, it's kind of taken its own spin on discipleship. Um, and it looks probably more like mentorship and maybe like a weekly class um, or something of the sorts. However, discipleship in the Bible might better be understood in our modern language as apprenticeship. Maybe that word can mean something more to us. You know, if you think about an apprenticeship, you're thinking maybe of like trade, right? Um, and so if, if I'm going to be a welder and I'm an apprentice of someone, what does that entail? It probably entails hours and hours of following this person, watching what they're doing, and then doing it in front of them to see if I did it right until the point where I can do it and then they can leave and then someone can do it for me. That's what discipleship is. You know, there's a saying when it was talking about Jesus as a rabbi, there was a saying back then that said, may the dust of your rabbi be on you at all times. Obviously, they did life in a place where dust was everywhere. And so what they're saying is, be so close to your rabbi, be so close to Jesus that his dust is on you at every moment, right? So nothing, no amounts of well-intentioned church classes or teaching sessions or even simply just inviting people to worship gatherings on Sundays can replace the best and only model of discipleship, which is just doing life with somebody, right? This is what I fight for on a daily basis. If I could sum up most of what I do, I do a lot of the boring administrative stuff and setting up the weekend retreats and calling that, that camp in Georgia like 30 times until they respond, trying to make room for us to do stuff, you know, for, for retreats. But the crux of what I do and what I do most hours of my day, what, what takes up most of my thoughts at home, what I'm praying for most is discipleship. It's the guys that I'm fighting for on campus. Um, and so... Yeah, I find and I fight for guys that are in a place in life who are hungry and also um, are willing to leave behind their old lives to follow Jesus. And I want to invest all that I have in them, my, my time, my experience, and, and I want to make sure that our conversations are richly rooted in Scripture, um, that we're talking about the difficult moments in life, you know, especially, we, we always are, but especially in college, these guys are at critical moments in their life where they're making terrible mistakes or they're making life altering decisions and they're setting careers up. Um, and it's important to find them and to let them know the truth of Christ in this season in their life. And then lastly is mission. Oh, actually don't go yet. Can you go back? Let's really explain. Uh, so the bottom right is actually a fall retreat that we had. Um, we had about 12 baptisms um, just from that retreat alone, and it was really great. And then here on the left is a really bad picture, but I took that last week on my phone. That was my first uh, D group, my life group last week um, with the guys that I'm currently discipling. And then the up uh, top right is just a hiking trip that we took. Um, we often do things on the weekends to just bond us, you know. And so uh, you can go on to the next slide. The last thing 
that uh, we value in Kaiapha, um, and that we believe that any mission-minded um, or any kingdom-focused group would do and care about is mission. Uh, real quick, I just want to explain this picture on the left of me holding a chicken. Uh, the, so I went to Zambia this last uh, summer, as I stated, and, and you guys actually helped send me there. And I've actually been to Zambia before. So this picture is from about four years ago when I went to Zambia. And actually, after I shared the gospel with this little village, every single one of them decided to follow Jesus. It was nuts. And they were so thankful that they gave me a chicken. And yeah, which honestly is like, I cannot speak to how high a value that is to them. That brought me to tears. And I actually tried to refuse, but the local missionaries were like, don't refuse. It's actually really rude. Like, just take it. So I was like, okay. So I took this chicken and I walked with it about two miles and it was scratching me and trying to hit and like kill me. Um, But uh, the top right is actually me baptizing um, what I would say to be is my best friend right now, Cole. I baptized him uh, a semester ago, and he's actually now leading his own D group and discipling guys right now, which is super cool. Um, and then the bottom right is our team that, t- that we took to Zambia uh, most recently. And um, I think if you'd ask any one of them, they would tell you how life changing changing it was. Um, and then the guy that obviously doesn't look like any of us, his name is Micello, and he's my best friend. He's actually a missionary locally in Zambia. He's he's training to do uh, cuisine, to basically cook for the rest of his life doing ministry through cooking. And he's actually in Italy right now studying to, to cook. So he is doing a great job. Um, so mission. Perhaps the most ignored and forgotten attribute that was existent in the early church, right? The body of Christ was never created to just worship God in an enclosed, isolated space, right? We are not monks going to our monastery, um, and we're not supposed to be unstained from the world in regards to reaching the world, right? Jesus even prayed for his disciples, said, may they not be of the world, but they are in the world, right? So even the king of kings himself, God, uh, infinitely greater than any human being. He humbled himself by taking the uh, on flesh, right? As it says in Philippians 2. And then he even pursued not just high-ranked people, people that are worthy of him, but he pursued the lowest of people, which thank God for me, I'm included in that, right? The outcast, the disenfranchised, the one sheep that was rejected by the 99, right? Jesus pursued those. Even Jesus' last commandment to his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew, if he had anything to leave them with, he said, Go and therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. So let's take a breath. That's a heavy task, discipling the world, right? Like something that we say a lot in D group is God's plan to reach the world was us. And it is us. It always has been us. We are his plan A and his plan only. Some people say, why why doesn't God just write it up in the sky? Why doesn't he just come to every single person in a dream? Jesus chose discipleship. He chose relationship for for the spreading of the gospel to all nations. And this is a beautiful task. If you can think about it, like what an honor that the God of all the universe wants to redeem creation to himself through us. Like what an honor, you know, what a privilege. Heavy, but it's also amazing. He knows that we can't do it alone and praise God. Like he is aware of the thoughts in our heart or the thoughts coming out of our mouth. I cannot do this. And that's why he's given us his Holy Spirit, 
right? In the book of Acts, actually, that comes right after the gospel of Luke, he says, go, but then in Acts, he says, don't go, actually. Wait a little bit. Let me empower you by my spirit, and then you will be disciples. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then all the ends of the earth. And so Caiaphas is very heavily mission-minded, as of course we believe that the kingdom is. Um, we believe that we are not existent just to know God, but to make God known. And so our staff and our students do outreach on a weekly basis. I'm responsible personally for leading many mission trips to other churches and campuses um, on our breaks, and I also participate in world missions, like I said, going to Zambia, and hopefully this summer going to India. Um, it's sad to me to see that so many proclaiming Christians live like lamps that are covered with a basket. They're choking out the flame that God has graciously given them in order to light and heat a cold and dying world. And not to mention that, but the joy that one finds when they get to be a part of someone finding eternal life, like when you get to actually pour into somebody and then the lights turn on, the amount of joy that you will experience in that moment is one you've maybe never known except for when you knew Jesus the first time. And so that's what's, you know, that's what I do. That's what I believe is worth living for, is making Jesus known. And so just to go back to my story, and then I'll wrap up. Um, you see, what I forgot to do along the way with Blake was I forgot to rejoice in the little things. Like one time when Blake actually texted me about 1 a.m. at night, which is very typical prime time hours for a college student. And he said, hey, man, just wanted to let you know, I read my Bible tonight. And it's the first time ever that I just read it because I want to. And it didn't seem like a big deal, but that's a really big deal. You know what I mean? Like he is pursuing the Lord. Or when he made a seemingly small decision to delete all the dating apps he was on and the accounts also, not just the apps, but also the accounts. And this may not seem like a big deal, but for him it was because it was him saying, you know, I don't need a shallow relationship anymore to fill me. In fact, right now I just want it to be me and Jesus, no girls, <laughs> which is great. I began to rejoice in these small victories, seemingly small, and I began to encourage Blake as I saw him grow more into the image of Christ. And I saw and watched as his hunger for the Lord and for the word grew. I eventually got the pleasure to baptize Blake, and unfortunately, I don't have any pictures with me today, um, but I watched him as he grew and grew. One night, we were praying at our beloved campus house of prayer, um, which is at UC, and Blake had something dramatic happen to him. He encountered the Lord in a new way. As he was praying, a man glowing and robed in white walked up to him and touched him on his shoulders. And in a moment, he said he felt years of anxiety, depression, and self-harming thoughts leave him. In an instant. From that day on, I could literally see Blake never acted or looked physically the same ever again. So do not grow weary in doing good. In due season, you will reap if you do not give up. That's the promise. That's the promise that the Lord gives us in Galatians. Investing our time and our lives into others for Jesus is difficult. And believe me, I get it. It can be so hard to continue on, to continue to fight, to have those tough conversations, especially when it seems like there's no fruits, right? But you never know what each seed is doing. You never know. You know, the way that my friend encouraged me when I pour into my brother and it seems like nothing's happening and it's been years, he says, you know what? There's no way of telling what each bucket of water is doing until the dam breaks. There's no way of telling. And that really encouraged me. You know, it's hard. But we don't get to decide when fruit comes and we also don't get to decide what it's going to look like. All we know is that it will come. 
And why do we know that? Because Jesus promised us. And that's enough for us, right? He says in in, uh, the gospel of John, he says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit and your fruit will abide. The cost of discipleship is high, right? It takes our time, it takes our lives, it takes our love and our effort, but the reward is far greater, right? And you know what too? The cost of a lack of discipleship is even higher. Life is just expensive. (laughs) You know, discipleship is expensive, but also lacking discipleship is even greater of a cost. It would lead to death. It would lead to people not coming to know the Savior that has transformed our lives. There are many more students out there at UT right now, just like Blake. Whether they realize it or not, they need Jesus. And I've decided to invest my life full time into making sure that I can be used to be a part of what God is doing at the University of Tennessee. Um, And you can go to the next slide. In church, I don't know about you, but I believe that revival is coming. I really am starting to see it on campus. And at times it's a little scary. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know like if I'm walking the way that I should as close to Jesus. But we are seeing people in droves come to know Jesus, like literally walking away from parties. We just had a, just a real quick story. We just got back from a mission trip um, in the spring semester to Virginia Tech where we were evangelizing to people that were in line at bars. And some of them began weeping, left the line of the bar and then went to gave their lives to Jesus and got plugged into the church, right? People, yeah, people are waking up. The Holy Spirit is pouring himself out and people are aware of their need for Jesus. And I'm seeing it on campus, like revival is breaking out. And if there's anything you can do, pray for more laborers, right? So Jesus tells us to do. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so if you're interested at all um, in joining in what the exciting things that the Lord is doing at UT and through Chi Alpha and through myself, there's three ways that I'd like to encourage you guys to be a part. And by the way, I just wanted to emphasize that there's no pressure to do anything um, except for please just be praying for us. And so the first one is that we really need people to be praying for our leaders, to be praying for Brooke and Tyler and our staff and to be praying for our discipleship groups. And also please pray for the students. Like, please pray that the soil of their hearts would be able to hold the, the seeds of the gospel, you know, that would produce fruits tenfold, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. Um, and also pray that the Lord would raise up laborers out of our community, because oftentimes I think we just have attendees, you know, but we want like participants. We want people in our community that are going to fight with us arm in arm to show Jesus to the rest of our campus. Uh, the second way, too, that you can get involved is if you'd like to sign up for newsletters. Uh, and so there's a table back there with a couple sign-up sheets. And if you're interested in specifically keeping up to date with uh, me and what the Lord's doing in my life and through me at UT, then you can come to the back and sign up for monthly newsletters. And if you want to receive those through email or physically, um, whatever way you want, I can do that for you. And then lastly is through giving. And so obviously you guys as a church support me um, on a monthly basis, and I'm so grateful for that. Chi Alpha is my full-time job, and at the moment I'm a fully support-funded missionary. And so, yeah. Um, It is only through the investment of people like you guys um, who believe in the reconciling mission of God and are willing to send me that I'm able to continue this work. And so if you're interested in hearing about more ways that you can give and what my needs are now, because I do still have some, please come talk to me after this service, and I'd love to tell you more and answer all your questions. But 
for that, um, I just want to say thank you so much, guys, for having me. Um, it's an honor. And I just want to pray really quick for you guys and just bless this church and, and um, just try to give back some love that you guys have shown me, if that's okay. So will you bow with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, just thank you so much. Thank you so much for assembly. Um, God, thank you so much for this church, Emmanuel God, how much it's blessed me and blessed their community. God, I just pray against weariness right now. I pray against those that are struggling, God, that are just going through the motions, God, that have not felt joy and zeal in their heart for you or for living for you, God. Would you revitalize us right now? Lord Jesus, would you speak your refreshing spirit over us right now, Lord God? Give us strength to continue on. Give us strength to continue being ambassadors for you, God, to continue being a light in our jobs and in our families, Lord God, and in our friends and those that need to know you, Jesus. I pray that we would not be ashamed of this gospel that has changed our lives. And Jesus, I just pray that you would revitalize this church in any way that we have um, grown tired or weary, Lord Jesus. Would you lift up our weary heads? We have so much to be joyful for. Would you bless this church, bless their love for you, and I pray that you would grow them in depth and in maturity, but also in number, in number of transformed lives. Would you give them favor with their community, um, God, so that you can use them to continue to transform this world, uh, this city. And Jesus, we trust you for it because we know that you're faithful and we know and we hold fast to your promise that we will bear fruit if we abide in you. So we love you, Lord, and we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Don't leave a man standing. Oh, yeah. I like the fact David didn't tell me how long I had. So uh, <laughs> you won't be the first people who get up and walk out. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me at all. Um, right? <laughs> I've had it happen. But I believe God's got a word for us today. You know, what's interesting is, is he said several things that, that touched my heart. You know, Jesus, how he did discipleship. Jesus did discipleship. He pulled somebody next to him. He said, this is how you do it. Watch me. Watch me. Okay. And the guy watched him. The woman watched him. And he says, see how you do that right here? Right now, get your hands dirty. Do it with me. We do it together. Okay. Now he steps back and he lets him do it while he watches over him to make sure he understands. No, that's not how I did it. Do it this way. Okay. And he helps him. This is easier. Trust me, I've been there. I've done this, you know, a few times. And he says, do it this way. And then he steps back. And he lets him do it. And he goes, hey, you're doing good. He goes, now you're on your own because I'm going to do this person over here. And he said, oh, by the way, you, you do that. Now you need to do somebody else too. And that's how discipleship works, right? That's why we don't just have the same 40, 45 people here every week. Come on, right? Yeah, I can say a lot of stuff today and pastor's going to thank me. Cause, <laughs> okay. Yeah, because here's the deal, you know, um, in pastoring, um, we pastor a rural church in West Tennessee. And uh, that's for our guests here, in case he didn't know. And so, um, uh, you know, I'm asking God, you know, I want to grow, we want to bring people in. And he said, if you'll love the people that I send to you, if you'll love those who nobody else will love, okay, I, you'll always have people in your church. And I said, can you send a few that, that have the finances and that, that understand church already? We don't have to explain everything to them. You know, it would be, and he said, just love the ones I send to you. And, and man, he would just send me some of the most messed up people. And somebody said, well, it takes a messed up person to really love a messed up person. I don't know if that's true or not. And I love this one family. 
that woman was the roughest woman I've ever met in my life. But if I ever got caught in a dark alley, she's the one I want with me. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? She was rough. Okay, she was tough, man. But when she fell in love with Jesus, she fell in love with Jesus. It was for real. There was no doubt. You would not talk her out of it. When she died in the hospital and God raised her from the dead, literally raised her from the dead, because her cigarette, she's got asthma and she's smoking. And I'm going, seriously? I mean, she's one of those you could just talk to, right? You didn't, you didn't have to worry about offending, man. You just talked to her. When she died, she came, she came back to life. She said, I died. And I told God, I'm, I'm giving everything to you. She gave her cigarette. She gave everything to him at that, that, at that time. And she will not stand in front of people, man. She grabbed the microphone like this just the whole time, but telling what Jesus said to her. Hello? You can't, man. But God said, if you'll love her, you'll win her husband. Man, forever. The greatest joy I had was to pray him into salvation. The greatest joy I had was baptizing him. Because I believe, because we were willing to love. See, the problem with ministry is we don't always get to see the fruit. You don't always get, and it becomes very exhausting. It is exhausting as a pastor to keep praying for you and loving you and calling you, wondering where you are this Sunday, but you didn't even think about letting him know, hey, I've got to go out of town for work. I got to do this. I got to do that. He loves you. And when you're not here, the devil plays on his mind. Or you said something last week. Be kind to your pastors and let them know where you're at. Okay. Let them know how much you love them. At 3.30 this morning, I was sick. Man, I got up sick. I was hurting. And I just told God, I said, okay, you got to do one of two things. You either got to heal pastor so he's going to preach this morning. Or there ain't going to be nobody there. Or you're gonna have, you gave me a word to give to them today, and you got to make me good. One or the other. Something's got to happen. So I got back up. I left the room went back to bed and as soon as I laid down, man, I just felt fine. I just felt fine. So I got a word for you. And if you'll give me 15 minutes, I'll take 30. <laughs> Daniel chapter one, because I think it has, it has to go with what, because I changed everything this morning. So it must be something we need to hear today because <laughs> I don't like changing when I already know what I'm going to do. But I want to talk real quick about character today because the issue for us, you know, you said something about revival's coming. I, I believe revival's always here. I believe it's always churning. It's whether we notice it or whether we see it or not. And so I had this thought, maybe God's waiting for us to get, you know, ready or get, because you made the comment about, you know, whether you were ready for it or not. We're going to, you know, <laughs> it was just yesterday I was 40 <laughs> and I'm 20 off of that now. And it's like, how did I get here, man? And it's just like, you know, I mean, I promise I had hair at one time and everybody was talking about us. Oh, no, I, I just decided I'd take it before it took me. You know what I mean? I just, I can, I'm, I'm making my own mind up. Really. I didn't. I mean, it's just going to do what it's going to do. Right. Cause the issue is we, we, we think that, well, revival's waiting Revival's going to happen. It's the question, is you going to be a part of it or not? And, I, you know, I always have this thought in the back of my mind. I wonder if God is waiting for me to experience revival when I get right. 
if he's waiting for me to really pour it in because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I ready? Am I really willing to give up the little things that I want to hang on to? Remember, it's the little foxes, okay, chewing the vines at the bottom, and all of a sudden your vines are dying and your grapes aren't right, and you're wondering why. Well, they're already ruined because months and months have been going. It's what we listen to, it gets in us. It's what we watch. Well, I know that show's not really godly and they shouldn't be living like that, but it really is funny. But is that really getting into our hearts and our souls and our minds, and is it changing things for the better? Is it, is it pushing us to God or is it just kind of slowly eating away from the heart, the mouth speaks. Character is what you do when nobody else is looking, when nobody else knows, but God knows everything. And if God knows everything, why are we waiting till, if God is waiting on you, well, man, man, okay. <laughs> trying to watch my words, man. Well, I don't know. You're not paying me anyway, so. <laughs> I'm not worried whether you're leaving or staying or not. In fact, I may do pastor a favor for some of you. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Character, by definition, means the mental or moral qualities distinctive to an individual. It's the strength or originality in a person's nature. God is not going to make you somebody else. He's, you were already made. You are you. Now, if you knock off some of the roughness or some of the edges, maybe, but your personality is your personality. The way you're created, the way you think, the way you do. But God, through the Holy Spirit, is what energizes us that our personality becomes all that it can be. Character. What's funny is that Webster defines the word character as peculiar, strange, odd. But if you continue to read down further, it also means unusual, special, belonging exclusively to character. What's your character? Character is refined in adversity. It's in the hard times that what's on the inside, it's what drives us, will come out and everybody will see. Are you just really upset about abortions because they talk about it? Are you, were you upset about it always? Were you just, just now kind of getting over? Are you upset enough that you'll go stand outside and pray across the street from the abortion clinics, whether no matter what the weather is? Or, or are you just upset about it because it's just not right? Are you upset enough about it that you'll go to somebody and you will help them financially? You'll pray with them as they go through uh, what they're going through to whether have the baby or not have the baby and know what their feelings and let them know that that baby is precious to God and there are alternatives? Or are you just the one that just stands here and screams and yells? I'm about tired of all these guys that go to the campuses and, and, and they, you know, the liberals face them and they do, what good are they doing? They are, there. well, you know what? There is a level of good because there's a conversation happening. But most of it's about me winning the argument. Most of it's about me, be, you know, facing somebody down. 
I'm looking for somebody to stand up and go, man, what you're saying, yeah, it's a good thing what you're saying, or I hear what you're saying, but what if? If you want an honest conversation, man, I'm willing to just stand here and talk with you and just love you whether we agree or not. Nobody has to win or lose here. Nobody has to punch each other out. That has to be blood drawn. There just has to be love given. And the reality, and especially in ministry, more love is given from you than you'll ever receive. You might well get that in your head. If you don't, if you go away licking your wounds, man, then you've done it right. <laughs> I'm just going to say, if you go away, man, and you just feel like, man, did that do any good? Because see, you're not the Holy Spirit. You can't save them. You can lead them. You can guide them. Everybody that you speak to is your opportunity that at that moment of time, that moment of time may be the only time they have. My youth pastor would come to me and he'd say stuff, and I said, look, dude, Wednesday night is the, is the only service you care about. It's got to be your best Wednesday night service you've ever had because you don't know who's going to show up. And when they show up, it doesn't matter if it's a regular that gets saved every week or been saved for, since birth. Okay, you've got to lead them in and make sure that if, if they know, they know. And if they know, they need to be bringing somebody. Why are they, look around. Why are all these chairs empty? Why are these chairs empty? Did you invite anybody this week? Did you? Did you invite somebody this week? If you lead somebody to Christ, they need a family. I can't think of a better family right here. That's how discipleship is. Did you hear what he said? Jared said when he, when he talks and they introduce, what do they do? They invite him over to eat. They invite him to, hey, we're hanging out this week. You know, we're going to play a little, uh, I was going to say beer pong, but I guess y'all do that. Uh, what's, the other, what's the other thing? The, huh? Yeah, cornhole. Thank you. I don't know where beer pong came from, honestly, God. I don't, that was horrible. That is horrible. Horrible. I don't know where, I guess college. I don't know. Did we watch a movie or something? I don't know. My, Susan used to play it all the time. I don't know. It, uh, except it was, it was Mountain Dew. Okay, it was Mountain Dew. Uh <laughs> Which costs about as much. I don't know. I don't know that either. I don't know where I'm going with that. The real reality is, is, is you invite them in. You invite them in to be part of the family. You invite them in. What did Jesus, do you know that Jesus spent more time eating with people than, than preaching at them? That's why churches are the best place to eat. Is it not? Right. Because that's fellowship. Let me encourage you in our next cookout, quit sitting with the same people. You need to find somebody you really don't know. How many of y'all have been to somebody? Don't even raise your hand because it's going to get ugly. That, that, that you hadn't been to anybody's house. When we went to Henderson, I said, so y'all hang out? And they go, no. And I said, y'all been going to this church for 15, 20 years and you've never been to their house? Y'all never even gone out to eat? I mean, I know we only had three restaurants there, but come on. I mean, somebody that y'all never hung out at all? Sunday night, instead of church, we're eating. Oh, they were offended. We got to have church. We got to have worship. I said, why? You don't sing anyway. Come on, nine people voted to sin. What are they going to do? <laughs> right? And I said, come on, man. You got to know each other. And so we found out who the good cooks were. All of them. My Lord, man. That's, man, that's what we did well. We ate well. And when we had a fellowship, we had people that didn't show up any other time. And at first, it made me mad. <laughs> Watch it. Made me mad. 
made me mad. I tried to. Holy Spirit got on to me. And he said, you know, you want them there, but you want them there like you want them there. See, that, that convicts me, man. You know, people get saved. They don't get saved like they're like, I'm, like you're supposed to. Man, you're supposed to wear, you know, dress nice now, and you got to come, you got to take a bath, and you got to shave, and you got to look a certain way. You got to act right. You got to act a certain way now. And man, people don't. People don't. When they really get saved, they will, God will take care of cleaning them up. Guy was praying with a young lady, and she is dropping some words while she's praying. That's the only way she knew how to express herself because that's all she's ever known. And he's just going, I can't pray with her. What's she saying that? And I'm going, dude, God is cleaning her up. Sometimes it takes an extra scrubbing. And I said, just let it go. I said, why don't you go pray for somebody else? And I just got to just watch God just scrubbing her with that Brillo pad. I'm talking about wire brush. And you know what I saw within the next month, how God began to transform and then in her language. See, when you change the heart, you change the language. Then her circumstances, her family was horrible. They didn't know how to talk without every second word, a cuss word. It was their language. I asked her one day, I said, how are you doing that? And she said, that Holy Spirit thing. When I got filled the other day and I was just talking crazy out of my head, like I didn't know what I was saying. She said, it told me that I had a new tongue in my mouth and that I wasn't supposed to use that old language. She told me something. I'd never heard that before. Never even thought of that before. She's not supposed to be smarter than me. I've been doing this a long time. And yet, the Holy Spirit told her just like she needed to know and she would understand. Quit trying to do his job. Character. Character. Look at... Uh, look at Daniel. We're going to do it. It'll just take me a second. Look at Daniel. Know the story in Daniel, the king. I'll give you the abridged version. They, they came in. They got Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which has their other names in there. Uh, they changed their names. What's interesting, Satan will always try to change your name to change your character. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. They already knew who they were. That's the key. You got to know who you are. If you, when you know who you are in him, then your character is going to be all right. But your, your character is always tested in adversity. How do you ever know what you've learned unless you've taken a test? See, we hate taking tests when we're not sure what we know. But man, when I knew I knew the stuff, I was excited about the test, which was maybe 6% of my life in school. Because <laughs> I didn't want to take the time. But when I took the time and I was forced to do then I didn't mind the test. Why? Because I knew the stuff. You don't mind playing the big boys when you know you've practiced and you know you've learned what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to do it. When you know your assignment, you've got confidence. When you've got confidence, your character's intact. That's good stuff. I ain't even written down. So Daniel 
comes in. I'm just going to read it, chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia, and he put in the treasury and the uh, put in the treasure house of his God. And the king ordered the chief of the court officials to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Man, it sounds like all of us men in here tonight, doesn't it? <laughs> some of you ain't listening because y'all... That's what you should be doing right there. Good grief. God help Pastor BJ, man. He was to teach in the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were in to enter the king's service. So in other words, he takes these guys, and they've got to look a certain way. They've got to act a certain way. So we're going to dress them like Babylonians. We're going to call them, name, give them names of Babylonians. We're going to make them look just like our culture, and we're going to do what we've always done, and they're going to make them eat certain foods and look like a certain way and act like a certain way. But chapter... In verse 6, it says, Among these from Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the chief official gave them new names. Uh, they named, he named Daniel Belshazzar to Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Now, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official to, for permission not to eat the food. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid that my Lord, the king, who has assigned you a certain food and a drink, that why, why should you, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. So in other words, he was concerned that if he lets uh, Daniel and his, his cohort eat what they want to, they're not going to look like everybody else. If they don't look like everybody else, who's the king going to blame? It's going to be him. Back in those days, there weren't second chances. <laughs> he, just, he just cut your head off and moved to the next guy. In verse 11, Daniel then said to the, to the guard whom the chief of, official appointed over him, he said, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this, and he tested them for 10 days. So in other words, Daniel said, hey, let's just do this for me. Give us 10 days, and then at, at the end of 10 days, if we don't look as good or better than, than those guys, then we'll do what you tell us to do. We'll, we'll eat the king's food. We'll, we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll fall in line. So at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine, and they were, they were to drink, and they gave them vegetables instead. Now, I would have died <laughs> if I wouldn't have had meat somewhere, bologna, somewhere in there. Anybody? No way? Okay, thank you for being honest back there. It's always the back row that's the most honest. 
To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to the king Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found that there was none equal to these guys. So they entered the king's service, and every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. That just because they ate vegetables didn't make, became vegetarians didn't make them. Okay, so get off that wagon right now, because I'm eating meat. Now, just shut up. Okay. <laughs> what made the difference? was their obedience, their convictions. They were men of character. They, they, were, they had convictions of what? Why didn't they eat the food? It wasn't that the food was bad. It wasn't that the food was Babylonian. It was that the food was sacrificed to another God. That's the problem. So see, if it had been all vegetables to that God, hello, okay, the, the, the food wasn't the problem. It was what the food was intended for was the problem. And there's three things that I want to cover real quick, okay? Key phrases. But Daniel resolved not to devile himself. When's the last time you resolved that you made a stand and, and you were not going to move? I resolved to, to lose weight. I resolved to get this job done. I resolved to get that person in church. I resolved that God was going to touch their body. And that, God, I'm going to pray for them day in and day out till I see a change. I'm going to keep bringing their name up before you. Keep bringing their name up before you. Keep bringing that name up for you. Daniel determined not to do what everybody else was doing. The food was considered contaminated because the first portion was offered to idols. The wine poured out on the pagan altar. The food was not ceremonially clean because it was not prepared by Israel's law. Daniel demonstrated the courage of his convictions. He could have been killed right then because it was the guy's head that was on the block. The guy could have just gone to the king and said, hey, these guys aren't going to measure up. They'd have just gotten rid of those four. But here's the second thing. Because they stood for their convictions, God caused the official to show favor on him. That guy did not have to give them favor. He's the guard responsible for them. He had the authority and the power over them. He could have said, I am not going to fix you another meal. You will eat that or you will go hungry. Anybody? Anybody? <coughs> or you can go to the kitchen and fix it yourself. Anybody? <laughs> Just say it. I heard it more than once. You eat what's given to you. But they knew they couldn't. They knew they couldn't. And they were willing to stand for and take the consequence of their actions. Notice here, too, that Daniel didn't make a bunch of signs and get in their face and make a big deal out of it. Shut up, right? If you've got to be louder, screaming louder to the other person, you've already lost. You, you've lost. In fact, once you state it, if you just stand there and just smile and in your mind just going, Jesus, help me love him. Jesus, help me love him. Jesus, help me love him. Because the next one talks, loses. It's a fact. 
Let them follow your conviction. Said God gave them favor. This guy says, man, I could lose my job. I could lose my head. And he did it. Why? What caused that? It's because God's got a plan. And he uses the ungodly to see his plans fulfilled. He, they stood for their convictions. They didn't make a production out of it. They just said, man, we, did, we can't do that. And this is why we can't do it. Hey, let's do a test. And God gave them favor to do that. And here's the last. Character is refined in adversity. Your convictions have to be tested. You have to continually remind yourself of what you believe and why you believe it. I think some of us have been been uh, in the way or been a follower of Christ in the way, come on, you may, uh, have been a follower of Christ so long, we forgot what it is. How many of y'all were yelling at the TV Saturday, Thursday night, when Tennessee's playing the high school team from Indiana? I mean, come on, right? Come on, all the big boys do that, right? Right? Because they got to get all the bugs worked out. Still that hundred and whatever thousand crowd, man, they, it was like they were playing Alabama. They were wide open. And yet we come to church. Should, should we be as excited here about what God did? God brought this dude, I mean, gave him a chicken. Anybody? Come on, man. He gave him a chicken. No, no, I can get a lot louder, bro. I'm not talking about being crazy. I'm not even being stupid. Like, come here next week. Everybody have a pom-pom. When Pastor gets up, y'all go crazy. I'm telling you, he'll preach for two hours. I'm telling you, man, God, the anointing. See, y'all are worried about lunch. Can I promise you something? Number one, most of us could probably miss it. Number two, it'll still be there. Okay? You know what? I can guarantee 100%. I'd put money on it. I'm that positive. I would not lose it because you know how I am with my money. That you'll get lunch today one way or the other. Don't matter if it's 12 o'clock or 3 o'clock. You're going to eat. There is nobody that's going to miss anything. Don't, don't, don't let me throw you under the bus, woman. Oh, Come on, we're going to get. We're going to. Look. The reality is, is when we're going to come to where we want to be so much in the, hungry for the presence of God, we don't care when we get out. What, when was the last time we just said, no, pastor, keep praying. No, pastor, keep, no, no, I want to hear, I want to see the word. I want to feel the word. I want to, that we're so consumed by the presence of God. Man, we don't even, we didn't even look at our watch. We didn't even look at our watch. I don't even care. Why do we look anyway? We're going to get out at the same time anyhow. If you need to go, go. Never once have I heard pastors say, you know, you got to stay until I get through. <laughs> now, I'll, if I'm preaching, I'll shame you. Okay, if you get up, I am going to shame you. Uh, you may never come back and God bless you because that's your decision and it's wrong one. But <laughs> Look, your character is everything, but your character is who you are all the time. Amen. We're called to disciple. You know, we're, we're, we're called to, to do... To, to invite people, to love people. Do you know your neighbor? Do you know your neighbor? Do you know their name? Why not? You should. Scott lives on this side. Never met his wife, but he's got four kids. Wow. And tell you what grades they're in, but I've never met them. They have a dog that barks at me from their balcony. So I seek my dog out there too. Go get him, Ramby. <laughs> <laughs> 
My grand dog. We're keeping him for a year. Then on the other side, we've got Sean and his wife, uh, Melissa. Thank you. Yeah. Melissa. They've got two, two kids grown up, gone to college in Jackson, Tennessee at Union University. Yeah. We know, so we know that stomping ground. Yeah. And they've adopted two young girls. They go to church. He does ministry to addicts. Yeah. So it's crazy stuff. Okay. Do you know them? Do you know them by name? Do you know anything about them? Can I tell you a bag of Oreos will open up a door? If you really want to get really, get really good, go get some of slice and bake. Okay. Because they look like the real thing. Right? Slice and bake. Put them in a little tub, Tupperware tub and tell them they can keep the tub. Because here's what you do. You know why you do that? It's because I pray over that tub and I pray that every time that they use that tub, they'll remember us. They'll remember the conversation. God uses strange things to, to remind people. I had a neighbor we did that to at Christmas. That old lady, my son goes, why are we giving this old lady uh, cookies? She's mean to us. I go, well, that old lady thinks that your grandfather does witchcraft when he does his magic show, so we want her to know we're okay people, <laughs> okay? And so she comes, and I made him give her the cookies, right? So he had to hand them, and you know what he had to tell her? We prayed over those cookies because we want you to know that not only are these cookies blessed, but we want your household to be blessed for this Christmas season. It was very rehearsed, very memorized because he did not want to do it. So he made sure she understood that. Isn't it interesting that God will still use your um, bad attitude? <laughs> Trying to be good here, man. We got to guess. Yeah. And my son walked away from that when we got through because we did everybody in the cul-de-sac, a lot of cookies. Can I tell you, it was well we give it out. You will work and give out. You'll never know who you touch on that campus because you'll see them today and you'll never see them again. And we got to learn to be okay with that. But at the moment, when you've got that moment, God, open my eyes, open my mouth, open my heart to exactly what needs to be said and done right then, right now. Opportunities, opportunity never knocks. It's always there. It's whether you're paying attention to open it or not. Because sometimes that one door, first door is not the door he wants you at. It's the second door. So you've got to take the incentive to push it open. It's not the pastor's job to grow a church. Sheep beget sheep. His job is to feed you, make sure you're healthy. And you know by doing that, his job is to worm some of you. That's painful, ain't it? That's ugly. That's nasty work, isn't it? You become a member, you are giving him a right to speak into your life. And sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes it's not what you want to hear. But if this shepherd loves you, and I'm telling you, that's why we're here is because I see that shepherd's heart. Right. Yes. He say, yeah, that he is going to speak when he speaks into my life. I don't, I don't want to hear that. Come on, how many times when you have a disagreement with your spouse, it's a fun thing to talk? It is not, but it's necessary. And if we love each other, we're going to be open to the discussion, not that he's right or she's right. It's a discussion of whatever the issue is. Your shepherd, your pastor, you, you're a member of this church. You've given him the right to speak into your life. 
whether it's a comfortable speaking or not. Why? Because he wants the best for you. Some of us take better care of our pets than we do our friends at church. And no offense, but they ain't got a soul. They're going to heaven. I don't know. I don't care. The reality is God loves him, and if you need him up there, maybe he will. I don't know. Why don't you get up there and take people with you, and you probably won't even care. Just make sure you get up there to see. The issue is what are we doing? I have this moment in time. I don't have. I, I won't have it tomorrow because tomorrow, today will be yesterday. So what am I doing today? You know what? I'm going to tell them myself. I have more time today as being retired to be in the Word and praying. I don't do any more than I did then. In fact, I may even do less. I'm not proud of that, and I'm not bragging about it. I'm ashamed of it. Because I'm sitting there at 1030 at night, and I'm thinking, why am I watching this show that we've seen 12 times? Now, she doesn't remember it. I'm going, <laughs> but we're watching TV together. And I'm thinking, you know, what, what do I really need to be doing? Isn't it funny? You are sitting there today and you're judging me because you're saying, you're saying, man, if I had all the time that you've got, man, I'd be doing this for God. You liar. You would not either. Because I'm a busy guy. But what am I being busy about? That's the issue. Are you willing to look in the mirror and ask yourself that? I won't even look in myself in the mirror anymore because I'm just ashamed. There's... I'm <laughs> just drooling on myself because I can't look up because I don't want to see myself because I could do better. I need to do better. I want to do better. You know, with your help, I can do better. Will you pray for me this week? As often as God brings you to my mind, God, God, please help Susan. I mean, please be with Rick. Come on. Do you think of anybody in the church that the Holy Spirit lets you do it, and then you immediately? Susan, I have prayed for you so much in the last couple of weeks. I just, just want you to know, man. I, man, huh? well, I don't know what you're going through. Not asking. I'm just, I'm just saying, man, we were just walking, and she just, she just starts doing her language, man. Going, okay, stop. what are you doing? What, what are you talking? And it was Sierra. It was Sierra. You, God brought her, you, to her mind. And I said, what's he saying? Well, that ended right there. I was like, well, what did you do? So we just stopped right there. To God, you know where Sierra is, you know? You just, just, just pray. Just pray. Just protect her. Love her. Wrap your arms around her, okay? Love that baby girl she has. And then found out it was your birthday last Wednesday. You weren't here for us to sing to you, but that's okay. You didn't get it. And by the way, it was Wednesday. I can't sing to you today. <laughs> you have to wait till next year. God wants you to know don't shrink back. Don't step back. Things get rough, man. Don't shrink back from where you know you already are. Push forward. Don't, don't shrink back. That's all we got. God, for you. I'm just telling you, as God lays somebody on your heart, you got to pray for them. You got to be with them, you know? We prayed for Bree, man. Just came up. You know, your, your husband's been gone and stuff. I mean, don't have anybody to complain to about throwing stuff on the floor. I just think, man, he's got to hurry and get on, right? Look, God is always moving the street. But if we don't position ourselves in the right place, we're not going to get good reception. Now, I don't know about you, but that's where I've been, man. I just, because I'm, I'm just busy. 
busy being retired and not doing what I want when I want. And God's saying, but what are you doing for me, man? What are you doing? Oh, yeah, you're right. What do I need to be doing? And so God's been opening up some things, just stirring, stirring. God's always stirring. We just pay more attention to it maybe, right? Character is everything. My pastor told me character is all you got. He said, people come and go in your life. He goes, with character, when you die, that's all you got. That's all you got. So you got to protect it well. You got to hold on to it. Man, let's pray. Father God, the band come forward. We thank you today for all that you've done and are doing. Father, we ask you today to heal our pastor. Lord, we know that that it's stuff that that's gone on in his body for years and blah, blah, blah. We don't care. We want him healed. And God, I believe that you can heal him. I don't care whether it's a cold or cancer or just uh, gunk from all this cabinet stuff. Father, that you could touch his body today. Lord, that you would touch your spirit right there where he is, that you would just lift him up today. Father, we just ask you to do that for him and for us today in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Um, I love having the missionaries come in. Thank you, Jared, for coming and sharing on behalf of Pastor. And he uh, uh, just... Watching what they do, we're Facebook friends with uh, the Martins, and uh, and we, man, watching the the them baptize these young people in the swimming pool on campus, man, is this most thrilling thing, man. God is moving. The question is, are you part of the movement? And I'm telling you, we all struggle with character. We all struggle with doing the right thing, or am I doing enough? God doesn't want you to do enough for Him. God just wants you to do something with Him. Okay, God wants you to be a part of, of what he is doing, okay? Whether it's supporting uh, with prayer or finances, the uh, Jared today or the Chi Alpha group or, or other missionaries or missions in general. He wants you supporting our pastors. You will never understand until you've been on that side of it what load that Pastor and Rincom carry for us so let's make their load light, okay? Be on with them, pray for them, love them, send them a text. Let them know that you know where they are today. Be here at church. Be a part of what God's doing. Be a part of, of, of Wednesday night. Be a part of the youth group. Be a part of the women's group. Be a part of the men. We eat breakfast. Be a part of what God is already doing. It takes a moment of time that could really make a difference in your life and make a difference in the life of this family. But if you're like me, I struggle with allowing too much stuff to clog up my spiritual filter. Some of us in the house today need to shake the filter out. Some of us need to clean out our, our spiritual filter. With, with what we watch on TV or our tech. Some, some of us are too addicted to our technology. Some of us are, are, are watching the wrong stuff. Some of us are listening to the wrong stuff. Some of us are reading or dreaming about or thinking about the wrong things. And doing a little here and a little there, we justify it. The reality is eventually that'll clog it up. 
clog up our spiritual filter, and then you're, you won't be able to breathe. This is my challenge to us today is to free our filters. And the Holy Spirit's the only one who can shake it out. He's the only one who can, who can literally blow it out and blow the gunk out to allow us to effectively breathe. And I wonder if there's anybody in the house with eyes, heads bowed and eyes closed, if there's anybody in the house that would just admit to me, Rick, you're not the only one. <laughs> you're not the only one that's just, that's just allowing stuff to gunk up your spiritual filter this morning. Can I see your hand? Whew, I feel good. <laughs> I, feel, I feel alone. Yeah. But can, you, can I tell you, it's time for us to just quit being sorry and, and make it right. So what I want to do is they're going to sing one song, one song, one opportunity. I'm going to ask everybody to stand to their feet. And if you just want to come to the altar and pray, just to, you kneel, you can stand, it doesn't matter. But just come down and let's do business with God. There, you, Do you have to leave your seat? You do not. But I'm telling you, there's something about making that walk. There is something about just getting out and saying, God, you can count on me. Okay, I don't have to wear the orange shirt. I don't have to have the pom-pom. God, here I am. I'm just down here with my hands raised to you. One song, one opportunity. Go.